Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Bowl Podcast, or should I say, this year's first edition of the Media Bowl Podcast. It is Saturday, January 1st, 2022. It is the new year. Pop off the champagne, put the fireworks in the air, celebrate because it's a new year. And a new year, the Media Boat Podcast. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast that talks about movies, television, video games, music, not necessarily in that order, especially not anymore. We're changing things up in the order department this year. Uh, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. Hi, Mike. He's Matt. Um, even though this is our first podcast of the year, new year, new season, new format, but still virtual for now. As the Omicron variant rages, we are being cautious. We are being safe here. So hopefully we'll be returning to in-person in the near future. Maybe. Uh, That conversation will happen uh, as numbers fluctuate. But for now, uh, we'll be doing a remote show for y'all. But that won't affect your feeds. Uh, You'll still be able to watch us live. Or not live. You'll still watch us in video form on YouTube. So check that out. Um, but in the meantime, let's get started on our show. Today, we're going to start with music. And so. we'll start music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. And boy, was your Christmas hot and cozy as Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You, your number one song, keeping you warm through the holidays. <laughs> and number two, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. Coming in at uh, three, Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. At number four, A Holly Jolly Christmas by Burl Ives. And rounding out your top five, but your only song to come out in the last month, two months, yeah. <laughs> uh, Easy On Me by Adele. So coming into the new year, congratulations, Adele. Your reign of terror will continue. <laughs> Hanging in there. Probably will return to the top three spots um, after this week is over. Yep, because um, uh, all the Christmas music's going away. It'll it'll move down. As for your album chart, your Billboard 200, Adele, 30, number one, number Bill- one uh, in the UK, number one on the year of number 2021, one in our, one in our hearts, <laughs> but not number one album of the Medieval Podcast. No. Uh, coming in at number two, Christmas by Michael Bublé. At three, Red, Taylor's version by Taylor Swift. At four, Live Life Fast by Roddy Rich. And rounding out your top five, Sour by Olivia Rodrigo. So yeah, that Roddy Rich record is the only debut in the top five this week. Uh, the first of 2022. We have a new album already? Well, yeah. I guess... This album came out last year, but yeah. <laughs> oh, everything came out last year. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right. So let's get into some music news then, shall we? And we start with Coachella, or rather, other Coachella. Yeah. This is a follow up story to a music bit we, record, we reported on a few weeks ago. Yep. Uh, a ruling on a dispute between Live Nation and AEG Golden Voice over a New Year's Eve festival on tribal land in the city of Coachella, a judge has declared that Live Nation can continue selling tickets for 
that December 31st show, knocking down a request from Golden Voice for a restraining order halting sales. The event had originally been marketed as Coachella Day 1 2022, which they stole from WWE Day 1, <laughs> which is later today. Oh. But tickets are now being sold on Live Nations or were being sold on Live Nations and Ticketmaster's site with the shortened name of Day 1 2022. It, it was, I mean, it's set to take place at an outdoor venue called Coachella Crossroads, which is owned by 29 Palms Band of Missions Indians in Coachella, which was not named as a plaintiff in any of Golden Voice's filings against Live Nation. So this already happened. This has yes, already, already happened. Both of these stories already happened because yes. turns out no news happened this morning. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, this is interesting because, of course, the debate here is Golden Voice wants to make sure that the trademark for the music festival Coachella does not get trampled on, does not get touched. That's protecting a trademark. It's what companies have mm-hmm. to do. But on the flip side... It's in Coachella, Coachella Valley. <laughs> Coachella is the name of the place, and yes. so there's not too much of an argument they have for telling people not to call things Coachella. It is literally just for business reasons that they're having this lawsuit. So, right, because it's well, because when Golden Voice has their concerts in, uh, it's on Indian Wells Polo Grounds right. in the city of Coachella, right? As part of the Coachella Arts and Music Festival or Music yes. and Arts Festival. It's a complicated thing. Uh, it's really just Golden Voice tra- protecting trademark. But as we talked about a few weeks ago with the Take Two stuff, protecting trademark always looks kind of shady if you're not familiar with a lot of how the mechanics of it work. And yeah, in this case, it's just another one of those looks really shady, especially when uh, they weren't named as a plaintiff, but especially when a, a tribe, uh, tribal grounds were involved. And then it just looks bad uh, if you're trying to... Um, touch native land uh so yeah it's it's a messy thing but at least they ruled in favor of it. at least this thing got to happen even if they didn't get, get to advertise the coachella name right didn't have to advertise it but it's day one of 2022 new year's eve yeah. only happens once a year <laughs> that is how that works yes that is, that is how time works yes <laughs> that is how time works all right um, meanwhile, in other New Year's Eve news, three members of the superstar K-pop group BTS ended up testing positive for COVID-19 last week. Their management company, uh, Big Hit Music, had announced on Saturday, which is last Saturday, RM and Jin tested positive for COVID-19 one day after a fellow member Suga was also diagnosed. The three sure members supposed to be Suga or Suga. There's yeah. Uh, the uh, BTS Army uh, respond in uh, the comments or by sending us an email. <laughs> Send us an email at mediaboatpodcast at gmail <laughs> uh, The three members completed their second rounds of COVID vaccinations in late August. Uh, big hit machine. Uh, mu- big hit music said. <laughs> I think it's a big machine think. because yeah. you know they, they got bought. <laughs> or no, they, they merged, whatever. Yeah. Well, 
none of them had contact with each other or other BTS members, and their symptoms were either mild or non-existent. All seven members of BTS were on an official break where they could rest, recharge, and spend time with their families after their busy schedules, which included their, quote, permission to dance on stage, 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 concerts in Los Angeles and the iHeart Radio Jingle Bell Tour earlier in December. The singers had returned to South Korea after their personal uh, travels, and they self-isolated separately. So we wish them well, and hopefully they'll come out of this um, positive and negative or negative yes negative but feel positively about the experience yes (laughs) in a side Um, story to this about uh bands testing positive zach brown of zach brown band mm -hmm. ended up testing positive on december 30th or 31st meaning that zach brown band had to pull out of a nashville new year's eve show And instead had to be quickly be replaced by Dirks and his Bentley. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, similar thing may have happened here with BTS. The story doesn't mention it, but last night on the ABC New Year's Rock and Eve, for some reason, they replayed the entirety of their 2020 New Year's Eve performance. And I'm wondering if that was to fill a slot that they were supposed to take. I want to say that's to fill a slot. It had to be, right? Because mm-hmm. the whole show last night was them filling a bunch of slots because they had to completely reformulate it over the couple weeks they had where they knew they had to rework it because of Omicron. So I wonder if that was one of the sacrifices they made. It's like, well, we got BTS, but now BTS can't do it. Also, we can't have BTS here because we can't have the army here. Right. So I don't know. We just got this tape of 2020's performance. It's still BTS on your screen. <laughs> Because it's true. And this is what they do anyways. They they pre-tape performances. Yeah. Um, because when I was watching, they had different venues, or they said right. we're coming live from different venues. Right, right, right. But they live really right, felt right. like pre-taped performances. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's they do what they gotta do for those last minute changes. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just thought it was really funny how they did with PTS. Anyway. Well, at least we didn't have a Mariah Carey incident this year. Uh, yeah, no incident at all it seemed like it was actually a kind of low-key show unless you're watching cnn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i tuned in for cnn real briefly for a they were interviewing regina king yes we also yes and that's (laughs) and i was like oh wow this is off the rails already yes Just the amount of alcohol flowing. Uh, They they kept uh, saying, oh, don't worry, this is cable. You can curse. Go ahead. No, no, you can't. (laughs) I was was like, I mean, good thing this is on a tape delay. If she does, we don't hear it. I was like, no, that that rule does not apply here. You're not on premium. (laughs) Anderson, don't lie. You're you're not HBO here. Anyway. It was a disaster. I could only watch so much of it before we had to flip back after the news was over. I was like, nope, nope, yep. not happening. Anyway, but that was New Year's Eve. Let's move on. Uh, yeah, did you we didn't listen to anything? 
No, there's no new releases over the last couple of weeks, so it's just been Christmas except for music. apparently that Roddy Rich album. Yeah, yeah, so that's for apparently Roddy Rich, but I'm not. I don't care about that. No, 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 no music. No music. So let's move into our next segment of video games. Yeah, we start yeah. with new releases. That there are none. But there are none. Nope. So let's get right into the video game news, and we start with some speculation. Speculation based on things people actually saw. So we don't like to delve in rumors, except when there's there's substantial evidence to back the case. As such, when we reported on the Nintendo emulator, Mm. and the reason why they were pulling Mario ended up being true. Uh, We reported on the new Switch ended up being true. And um, most recently, the uh, Warner Brothers uh, Metaverse Metaverses game. Yeah, Metaverse game. Up being real. Mm-hmm. So, speculation has increased around a potential official re-release of Rare's GoldenEye 007 game. After achievements were reportedly uncovered on Xbox Live servers. True achievements a site that syncs and tracks achievement activity, recently posted the full list of GoldenEye Xbox achievements, said to come from live console servers, including artwork for each unlockable challenge. The list also includes 100 gold of achievements. That's 1,000 gamer score. That's a, yeah, that's 1,000. I'd say 100, yeah. PlayStation boy. 1,000. <laughs> a thousand gamer score gold yeah. and not 200 as would have been planned for the version once planned for the Xbox 360's live arcade. Yeah. According to the site, two users have unlocked GoldenEye Xbox achievements so far. Big Sheep Big and, Sheep and X Tina McGrath. Probably Christina? Cross Tina. Yeah. Christina, X Tina, <laughs> Cross Tina, McGrath. The gamer tags appear to belong to Rare's lead engineer, James Thomas, and community head, X Tina McGrath. Christina McGrath. So, these are actual Rare employees. There's artwork completed for these achievements. And rare, but a confirmation that and rare's lead engineering's to have um, already accomplished these. So yeah. yeah, and there's a couple of interesting like like side notes that may also prove this is true. One, there is as the story briefly mentions, was a version of this before, um, a version that was made for Xbox 360 Live Arcade back in the 2000s was at one point leaked uh, a few years ago. Uh, fairly recently, and people were able to play it in its full remastered form. So they made that game, but due to uh, rights negotiations, they couldn't put it out. The tricky thing with GoldenEye 007 is not only is it, of course, a Bond license game, the Bond license currently doesn't belong to either Rare or Microsoft. It's in, I believe, still Activision has that tied up? Or a game? Activision? Yeah, for video games. And they haven't touched it in a while. There hasn't been a Bond game in a little bit. So, but then on top of that, GoldenEye 007, of course, was a Nintendo 64 game. 
And unlike the sequel, Perfect Dark, which was released and published by Rare themselves, GoldenEye 007 was published by Nintendo in all regions. So that means not only do they have to negotiate with the Bond people, the Broccolis, they also have to negotiate with Nintendo because they, they have the publishing rights for that game. So it is a disaster. And that's why it didn't come out the first time around. But two things have changed. Microsoft has a better working relationship with Nintendo than they did back 10, 10, 15 years ago. Also, as we reported on this very podcast last year, the Bond license has a new home. So the new parents over at Amazon might be more likely to have these discussions with Microsoft than they were before. They'd be more, more willing to bring these two to the table and say, make a deal happen. So I would not be shocked if this is real. Like, now, if hearing from Microsoft, like, oh, surprise release. Could Big Daddy Amazon pull the license from Activision and give it to Rare? Uh, so the question about that is, if I feel like if that was going to happen, um, we would have heard about it. I would rather believe that this happened under the table. Activision just made a special deal and been like, yeah, you can have it this one time, but we, I swear, we still want to make a game. Because there's also that semi-confirmed rumor that the Hitman people, IO Interactive, were going to do a James Bond game. That also seemed like that was going to happen without Activision as well. Mm -hmm. So if both of those, both of those things could be true. Maybe Activision let it lapse and doesn't care anymore. And maybe that's the thing that's allowing these things to happen also. So who knows? It's a complicated story. Uh, I think it's probably real, though. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what they do. A lot of people love Goldeneye and a really cool 4K remaster of Goldeneye. It'll make a lot of people happy. But wouldn't the graphics still look like Nintendo 64 graphics? So when they did back in uh, 2010, they did a Xbox 360 HD remaster of Perfect Dark. Uh, and it looked 64 game, but HD. It looked nice. It looked pretty good. They redid the textures so that way they weren't in 64 level textures anymore. They probably do the same here and it would probably look pretty crisp. When that leak happened, everybody was like, nobody complained about how it looked. They said it looked really clean. Yeah, but that was 2010 and not 2022. <laughs> I realize that, but <laughs> I think that I wouldn't worry about it looking old because I think they'll do the work. All right. Um, I mean, expect an announcement in March. Yeah, I would say probably, probably first quarter. Yep. Uh, our second news story brings us to the world of Final Fantasy. Yeah, speaking of things I hate in the first quarter, Final Fantasy 16's development has fallen almost half a year behind schedule. Yikes. Producer Naoki Yoshida announced on Monday that the COVID-19 pandemic has led to unexpected production issues and that the game's next big reveal won't occur until spring of 2022. Quote, when we last spoke, I promised I would have more information on Final Fantasy 16 sometime later in 2021. However, I regret to inform you that I will be unable to keep that promise as complications stemming from the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic 
have delayed the game's development by almost a full year. Yeah. (laughs) Expected at this point for AAA Studios, I guess? Yeah, it was expected to happen. It was notable that we didn't hear anything about uh, Final Fantasy 16 this year. It was also, also, side note, we also didn't hear another update about Breath of the Wild 2, even though it's the last Nintendo uh, Direct they said we would. So it's just these games get pushed because of COVID, um, and we probably won't see 16 until 2023, if I had to guess. I mean, I liked 15 when it came out, but that also was, oh God, 2018, 2019 at this point? I would not be surprised at this point if the thing that happened with Final Fantasy 13 happens here, which is by the time they're ready to put it out, it will no longer be a PS5 exclusive. Right. So... That's my guess, at least, is that we'll probably see this multi-platform. I mean, that's the way everything's going. I wouldn't be surprised, especially with Square Enix. But yeah, so we don't really know what this game is anyway, so it's not like it was going to be soon. <laughs> it's another Final Fantasy in an installment of things that don't know what Final is. <laughs> so yeah, uh, people will have to wait a little bit longer to enjoy it. Yeah. But there's something that we can enjoy, or rather, you can enjoy right now. Yes! Uh, so, my thoughts all center on, well, mostly center on um, a new uh, baby we received last week. Um, congratulations. A, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I got an Xbox Series X, um, aka the super fast rock band machine. <laughs> Don't worry for your birthday. <laughs> but I also, uh, but I also, um, you know, uh, can use it to play other games uh, too. And yeah, so I tried that out over the weekend. Had some audio sync issues that I realized was not the Xbox; it was the soundbar. Uh, figuring that out another time. Uh, but for now, um, tested that thing out for a few days, and uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. It works as advertised. Um, the loading times are basically non-existent. Uh, it's nice to go into the Xbox UI and not have it circle around for five seconds every time I want to do something with it. Um, it's snappy and it looks great. Uh, so I tested out some games on it. Uh, first and foremost, of course, uh, I tried some more uh, Halo Infinite uh, campaign. And um, now that I've played a little bit more of it, I can talk to the campaign specifically a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Last time I briefly mentioned it, but I mostly focused on multiplayer. Um, but I like it so far. Um, it's been advertised as an open world game, and that's sort of true. And I say sort of because it's kind of more like a small portion of an open world that branches out into linear Halo levels. But it does have some missions to do while you're out there. So you'll just be wandering around Skyrim style, um, going down some cliffs, and you'll see a, a skirmish happening between some Marines and some um, enemies. And you can help them out. And if you clear out the enemies, you'll win some like experience points. So it is neat um, what they've done to kind of flesh out the experience beyond your typical Halo game. On top of the open world stuff, they've also put a little bit of customization in the campaign as well. Um, There's armor upgrades now for the first time in a Halo game. You can basically actually make Halo Chief better. Uh, which is not something you could do before. Um, so yeah, you can like get, add to your shield capacity. You can add to like the the capability grapple hook. You can make it do this like stun 
thing that launches it at an enemy and shocks them for a few seconds to get get a nice headshot in. It's cool, and it all feels great, and it all runs really well in the Series X. Um, it just looks just like the foliage on the Halo planet just looks great. All the like metallic like reflections look really cool in the like the Forerunner places. Um, it's fun. It's fun. I'm having a good time with it. I'm only scratched the surface. I I I, I feel stories maybe a little like still trying to get off the like get off to a start at this point i'm not sure exactly where we're going um i have my new like ai companion i'm learning things about the about about the current state of of the war between us and like these like rogue enemies that we're fighting it's a little muddy and a little foggy but i'm sure it'll come together uh, as the game goes on. But yeah, I'm excited to play more of it. Um, I also, actually right before I got the Series X, I um, tried a little indie game on Game Pass called Lake as well. Um, this was on my radar earlier in the year. I didn't get a chance to play it. Um, it is the definition of cozy game. Lake? Yeah, so it's just called Lake. It is basically like just a just a real small story about a woman in her early 40s has to come back home to her hometown basically a rural middle of nowhere town next to a lake and inherit her father's post office job because he and your mother are on some sort of vacation uh, and so you get to do his postal route and that is what this game is is basically you doing a postal route in a rural town around a lake literally driving the the mail truck going mailbox to mailbox, delivering letters, delivering packages to people's doors or to the general store or stuff like that. You are physically doing the driving and walking and doing this delivery. And while you're doing this, story happens. So for example, you'll deliver something to the uh, local video store and the video clerk wants to talk to you because she thinks uh, uh, you have good taste in movies. And that will evolve to, hey, tomorrow, do you want to meet up? and have uh, discuss. I want to uh, basically do a business pitch to you. And then the next day, it turns out she wants you to, along with your mail route, deliver VHS tapes to people. Oh, I want to maybe note that this is place takes place in 1986. <laughs> um, so in 1986, I believe there was a game that came out called uh, Paper Route or Paper Boy. You're thinking of Paper Boy, which I believe is slightly earlier than that. Is this, this not, is not the sequel bad. to it? <laughs> No, because this is 100% realistic. No okay. arcadey things are happening here. Okay. It is played straight, which is the weird thing about this game. It's like nothing supernatural. This is not Life is Strange. This is just you are a 40-year-old woman delivering the mail, and it plays it like that. I'm sure as the stories go on, maybe there'll be a little bit more nuance to these like developing plot lines that are happening with people. Also, I, I should note, it's all all those plots are 100 optional you can tell these people no so you can if you wanted to play this game as mailman simulator you absolutely could but it's added the extra layer of hometown drama on top of that and i think it's a neat little game um i'm having a good time with it i'll probably try to finish that thing i doubt it's really that long um and cute little uh, cell shaded art style that fits it really well. Just very low key um, and very very uh, cozy. 
uh, very nice little warm winter break kind of game. So that's on Game Pass for people who have Game Pass. So try that out if you'd like. Uh, last little bit in games I want to talk about is something that's not really a video game. It's a word game on the internet. Uh, if you're on Twitter, you may have seen some grids that maybe don't make any sense to you. And um, that's I have seen you post a lot of this game. It's, uh, it's a little game called Wordle. Um, just Google search Wordle and you'll find it. It's on a UK-based website. Um, and yeah, it is a, a simple word game that has caught on because of how easy it is to share your result. It's a different new puzzle every day. And essentially it is a grid of five, like five, five rows. And they're all five letters long. You have to guess a five letter word, but you are given at first no hints or clues. So you basically have to start by putting in five letters that form a word. Can't just be any five letters. They have to form a word that's in Wordle's dictionary, kind of like Scrabble style. But once you do that, the next row will tell you how close you were. And that includes if you use a letter that it's, that's not in the solved word, it will be gray. If you use a letter that is in the solved word, but in a different place in that five letter stack, it will be yellow. And if you used a, a letter in the right place in the solved word, it will be green. So this and is Minesweeper, the word game. <laughs> It's a word-based Minesweeper, more or less. You get like flags, sort of, to tell you how close you are to the actual solution. And you get six tries, essentially, because there's six columns mm -hmm. or rows. Uh, and so by the well, faster you do it, the more you can brag to your friends that you did it faster than they did. So if you get it in the third row, uh, column, you can, or row, yeah, you can be like, well, I got on the third row today. You only got fourth row. So it, it adds a little competition to it. And yeah, you just click share and it click shares to Twitter. It doesn't even share a link to the website. It's literally just like a Twitter emoji equivalent of your game. And because it's color coded, it looks just like it did when you completed it. It's cool. And I like the idea of it being a different one every day and the same puzzle for everybody because it adds that extra New York Times crossword style, like we're all doing the same puzzle together kind of vibe. And it's cool. I like it. Um, it's it's obviously free and and just a little silly little word game. But yeah, check it out. Google Wordle and you can uh, try it out. Uh, so yeah. you did uh, today's word, right? I have not done today's yet. Oh, okay. Well, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Don't spoil anything for me. No. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm playing around. It does feel a bit like uh, Minesweeper. Yeah, it's a fun little guessing game. If you like word games, this will probably be up your alley. Um, yeah, is there an actual app for this, though? Or is it just Not that I know on, on the browser? Just this website. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's it for video games. That's all I played. Um, now that I have the Series X, I will eventually jump back into stuff that I kind of skipped over last year, like Psychonauts 2. Um I'm just going to take one thing at a time. I'm going to finish Halo and move on to whatever the next thing. Maybe jump back into Forza uh, now that I have the Series X to really show it off. Um, so yeah, uh, I've got kind of a big plate of video games awaiting for me now uh, right. that I have to dig into thanks to Game Pass. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So in that case, I guess it's my job to move on because... Um, we get to move on to uh, the top of the show, the former top of the show, which is... Oh, nope, nope. Oh, 
We're moving on television next, apparently. Yep. Uh, trying new things this year. Trying new things. <laughs> and with television, we always start television section with the sports corner. Point behind you. <laughs> sports corner. And this week in the sports corner, uh, sports kind of quiet um, as it typically is right now at the turn of the year except for one major loud source of hype, which of course is college football. The college football championship game, Alabama versus Georgia has been decided. The rematch, as you refer to it, will take place on January 10th. Yes, they already played once during the year. Then they played <laughs> in the SEC championship. And now they're playing in the college football finals. Yeah. So... Hey, if you like those teams, you're probably excited to see this matchup again. If you don't care for these teams, you're probably very aggravated at it. But hey, you know. So remember when we talked about them expanding the college football playoffs? Boom. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't they want don't want to keep seeing this happen. Yeah. And meanwhile, in college, uh, college football uh, news, hey, it's January 1st. You know what that means? Rose Bowl game. It's the Rose Bowl game. So if you want to check that out, that's happening right now or will happen very soon Mm -hmm. so there you go not in college football news though but also in wider sports news is nbc sports we had talked about it in the year uh in the past year about how they were going to uh turn off this nbc sports brand and all the cable channels associated with it well that has officially happened it has gone dark you will have to get your uh, sports elsewhere um so so yeah the death of a brand or at least the death of a brand expanded to the capable format yeah uh i turned it on um last night because i knew it was going dark yeah and they're already saying uh, it was just a repeat of a slide that said we're moving everything to usa network <laughs> and then if you turn it on now it's a uh, dark it's just the same thing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because people who still look at that channel, even though they're not broadcasting anything anymore. But as we previously discussed, a lot of the reasons why people wanted to watch um, NBC Sports have gone elsewhere. As you mentioned, USA took a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, hockey, as we've reported repeatedly, has now found new homes um, on ESPN. And we'll soon also see uh, HBO uh, and HBO Max. Yeah. Um, you know. Eventually, because you, know, you still get hockey on ESPN Plus. Right, right, right. So, uh, because yeah. they have those streaming rights now. Anything else in sports that we want to talk about? Um, as I mentioned at the top, today is WWE 1 special. I said sports. Oh, yeah, sports entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Different things. Um, because of the extended uh, season for the NFL, this week, um, so technically last week would have been an NFL championship or fantasy football championships. <laughs> yeah. But because there's an extra week, it got pushed to the new year. So now if we keep this, uh, 18 week format for the NFL, the first of the year will crown your new fount, your new fantasy football champion. And hopefully it's me. I'll find out tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) It's personal news. That's personal. Not real sports news. Hey, it's it's fantasy sports news. Anything else in sports before we move on to television news proper here? Um, A story we will continue tracking as we get more word. 
MLB still on strike or still being locked out. They're not on strike. They're being locked out. But we will get news when we get news. Hopefully before spring training. Okay. Well, in the meantime, let's move on into uh, the television news proper. And we began television news this week with the return of a Netflix favorite in Bridgerton season two. Netflix and Shondaland, the production company, have announced the return of Bridgerton with season two set to premiere on March 25th. Keeping up with the tradition of Julia Quinn's novels, season two of Bridgerton tells the story of Lord Anthony Bridgerton, played by Jonathan mm-hmm. Bailey, his quest for love as he sets out to find a suitable wife. Shonda Rhimes, who of course is a executive producer of the series under her Shondaland banner, teased what would come in season two after it was revealed that Simon Bassett, played by Roger Jean Page, the Duke of Hastings, would not be returning for the upcoming season. We knew this a handful of months ago. Yes. I think there's a powerful, interesting, romantic couple at the heart of it, she says. There's an incredibly interesting and exciting pair. I like to watch them. I bet you do, he said. Our goal, if we do our job correctly, is if you're going to be as invested and excited by the couple as you were by the couple of season one. That's um quite a statement because people really liked that season one of Bridgerton because of that dude. Yeah, because um, of that dude and because of the girl, uh, the, the sister. But and you know, they, they got married off at the end. Spoilers, but you know, oh, spo- it spoilers. happened. Spoilers. It happened. Uh, yeah, I, that's why Reggae Jean's no longer around. So now the next Bridgerton is up to be betrothed. People will watch this, no matter who's in it. People will watch it. It's the uh, next Netflix It's the thing. steamy gossip thing. It's going to be huge. Nothing can stop it. Now, of course, does it go beyond two seasons? Because this is Netflix we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, so those of you who are excited for more Bridgerton uh, will have it very, very soon. All right, we have a second television story hot off the presses. This was not on the thing, so I did not pair a, a, a prepare a Chiron for it. But we do have a second television story, believe it or not. Also, uh, hi, Christy, who just passed by the camera. Yep. There she is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Friend of the show, Christy. <laughs> there she is. Uh, yeah, no uh, musical theater news, so I uh, can't tap you in for anything. Sorry. No, but we will She's be. excited for Bridgerton, she says. Yes. Oh, okay. She said a little spoiler for the books uh, there. Oh, um, spoilers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, this, uh, this news is hot off the presses because this show or this special happened last night. Is, no, happens today. Yeah. Um, it is today. It is January 1st. It is the new year. And as such, HBO Max is releasing the uh, Warner the. Warner Brothers produced Harry Potter 20th anniversary special reunion. Yes. Without a notable person. Yes, with one little caveat to it. So yes, as everyone well well knows uh, at at this point, uh, the Harry Potter brand has a little thorn in its side and it's its creator, J.K. Rowling. Uh, We don't need to go into it too much here. Uh, but she's made some real stupid statements over the last uh, five years at this point. Feels like it, yeah. Um, uh, About trans people, specifically trans women, and uh, not necessarily treating them with respect of being women, which, by the way, they are. 
Um, so the creator and author of the massively popular Harry Potter books did not join uh, this reunion special, of course, starring Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grant, the stars of the movie series. Nor did she sit down for a new interview to reminisce about adapting the eight movies inspired by the books. Instead, the producers of the Return to Hogwarts special use archival footage from Rowling from 2019. An invitation was extended to her to participate, so it wasn't like they were turning a blind eye, even though they probably should. Uh, but her team determined the archived comments from the writer were adequate enough. LGBT, LGBTQ organizations, including GLAAD and the Trevor Project, have, of course, condemned comments made by J.K. Rowling. Various Harry Potter actors, including Radcliffe Watson and Eddie Redmayne, the star of the Fantastic Beasts spinoffs, have all come out in support of the trans community differing from uh, J.K. Rowling's views. So uh, it's, it's a tricky line to walk, especially when you're trying to basically pay tribute to a thing that was created by her. Uh, but you can also pretend that because you were celebrating the movies <laughs> that she can be, you know, somewhere else and be like, well, she didn't make these movies. Maybe she helped in the script, like with the script a little bit, but she was over there. I don't know. This was a brother's production. They had the direct, like, you know, David Yates was there. Like she, she's somewhere else. Yeah, all um, the directors are there. So they can yeah. talk, they do a roundtable discussion, but... Oh, did Christopher Columbus show up? Yes, Christopher Columbus is in this. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Columbus. Yes, Not Christopher, Christopher Columbus. Different, different Christopher Columbus, but yes, Chris Columbus is in this. Uh, with Alfonso Cuaron, the best one, okay. David Yates, and... What do you mean? Academy Award winner Alfonso Cuaron. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, um... So I guess if you like Harry Potter, at least you don't have to worry about a current J.K. Rowling scaring the pants out of you. Uh, no. but, uh, but there is something else that does come out of these interviews. Um, I saw, I got spoiled, oh. but I will be watching this reunion special and have my thoughts on it next week. All right. Well, we'll put a little bookmark in that. Then. Yeah. Um, this past week, I've been watching all the Harry Potter movies with the Doctor, so order to prepare and refresh our minds about the movies for the upcoming uh, reunion special. Fair enough. We've more or less purged Harry Potter from our pop culture digest at this point here. Okay. So we do not care. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, that's it for television news. So of course, that means it's time for some thoughts. We both watched some television this week and new television Brand spanking new television for you. It occurred on Disney Plus. And I have a real fun story, real quick. Um, a revelation we had last night um, about the character in this film. Um, so you watched The Book of Boba Fett the yes. on Disney Plus. Boba Fett, of course, Star Wars character whose premiere goes to uh, Empire Strikes Back back in the early 80s. Mm -hmm. When I brought up Boba Fett to Christy, she Thought I was talking about Boba T at first. Yes. And so I looked up. I was like, wait a minute. Which one did come first? So I Googled it. Turns out Boba T is said to be created in 1986, meaning that Boba Fett somehow predates Boba T. Really? Yes. Which we definitely <laughs> that, didn't think was the case. I didn't think that was the case. Yeah, That's no, fascinating. He was, he was older. <laughs> yeah, 1986, Boba T. Who would have guessed? Wait, so is Boba T named after Boba Fett? 
Okay, Christy has a, maybe a correction to the record here. You need to get closer for them to hear you. Okay. I did not think he was talking about Boba Fett. <laughs> I made a really funny joke that he did not get at first. The funny joke was, okay. <laughs> I wonder what flavor Fett is. Yeah. <laughs> Because of Boba Tea. I was trying to figure out, like, what, what, were you, what are you talking about? So I was thinking about Boba Fett. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, Boba Tea. Well, that Boba. joke actually works on a second layer because Boba Fett was fed to the Sarlacc pit. So he does have a flavor to the, Sar- to the Sarlacc. Also, do you want to tell your other theory? She just looked at Boba Fett. I showed her a picture of Boba Fett and she was like, oh, yeah, she, that guy is black. <laughs> No, no. I showed him. A, I showed her a picture though of Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Boba Fett's like this man's not black. No, he's not. He takes his helmet off. <laughs> he's not black though. Yeah, but he, I, he definitely had non-white dude vibes. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> he, he was way cooler than. Me. Okay, but you know that Boba Fett appears in the prequels, though, right? As kid Boba Fett. Oh yeah, no. He's not the, the son of Django Fett. He definitely is not white. Yeah. I don't know. Boba Fett, the son of Django Fett, whose head got chopped off by Mace Windu. Yeah, yeah. Django and... Fett is definitely not white. <laughs> Django Fett is the source of all the clones. What's his name? Uh, who, who's the guy? Who's the actor who played Django Fett? Um, the same actor who voiced uh, all the clones in. Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. I'm looking at. He's uh, uh, voiced over 900. Oh my god, is that Knuckles Up? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> he looks like Knuckles Up. Yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> Tem- Temu- Temura Morrison. Sounds correct. Okay, anyways. Sorry, we were getting way off. You watched the premiere of Disney Plus's Book of Boba Fett. Let's talk about it. Bye, Chris. Yeah, uh, Book of Boba Fett, the first episode now streaming. On Disney Plus. Whoa. I need more episodes. <laughs> um, basically, the, the first episode is just him coming out of the Starlight Pit, how he survived, and how he uh, found Jabba's <laughs> Palace. It's a origin story. I wanted there, there should be two episodes for this first week. Give me that opening of stuff that I need to know of how he survived. And then give me the why is this show like on purpose happening? Why do I need to care about this show? Okay. Right now, I really don't care. Then again, I really don't didn't care in the first place because Boba Fett only appeared on screen for a total of five minutes, maybe. Yeah, that's in the a Star Wars series. Boba Fett that I feel like people often forget. He did maybe have like a bit of a second life in the extended universe, but before that, he was not in the movies very much. People just had a big memory of him because of how cool he looked on in that movie. He had a cool armor yeah. in uh, Empire Strikes Back and was on screen for two and a half minutes in also, total. Also, if you have a character who's like a cool ass bounty hunter who's like for hire, who comes into your plot, not with any associations and just wants to kill somebody to get paid. That's a pretty cool like concept in the sci-fi world, right? Like <laughs> that Im- immediately grabs your imagination. It's like, oh man, this probably happens all the time in these universe. These like gangsters, like uh, like uh, uh, Jabba, Jabba the Hutt, always hiring dudes like this. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's like a cool idea in the universe that people glommed onto the fans really glommed onto and then yeah they tried to flesh it out with Django Fett and the prequels but mm. <laughs> yeah mm. Mm. but you're right he didn't show up very much on screen so there's a lot of work that the show has to do to make him a character right. and there's only so much you can do in a pilot episode no but Ming Na Wen like kicks ass. Right. But then again, she's always kicked ass. Yeah, this yeah. is also her reprising her role from The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, basically, Disney royalty at this point, as she voiced the, she was the voice of Mulan, and then was in <laughs> Agents of Shield for literally Marvel. Disney royalty. Yeah, <laughs> literally Disney royalty at this point. <laughs> so yeah, and then she was in the live action Mulan too. So she was in. Animated, live action, Marvel, and Star Wars. So not much really, it seems like, to say about it until we get more episodes. Yeah, well, so I'll have my thoughts on it at the very end of the season finale. But if you like The Mandalorian, and a lot of people love The Mandalorian. A lot of people do. It's got the same kind of vibes. But then again, what did you expect from John Favreau and Dave Filoni? Right. <laughs> well, in that case... I'll move on from something that we just started to a couple things I finished with the new year. Uh, well, actually, right before the new year, but with the end of the year uh, comes a new season of one of my favorite Netflix uh, animated shows, uh, Gretzko. I've talked about it before on the show. Yep. Um, it, of course, is the cute Sanrio bread uh, panda who has a secret double life as a metal as a metal singer, uh, just screaming her lungs off when she's frustrated with her little office life. And uh, this is season four of the show. Uh, and uh, it doubles down on the office aspect of the show. Uh, the last couple seasons took a little bit of, uh, of a side story with uh, Agretzko dealing with uh, things outside of her day job. This one focuses in on the day job. It focuses on the day job as well as her burgeoning will they, won't they relationship with her coworker and so that's basically the realm that the season's playing with. Um, and I think it's a, overall pretty successful, except it doesn't end super well, or at least as well as some of the previous seasons do. So it talks a little bit about like how Japanese corporations deal with a changing of leadership. Um, basically, the plot starts with their, uh, the company president leaving the company because of an illness and replaced by a younger kind of tech bro-y like new guy who is trying to rule with an iron fist he seems like a friendly nice guy on the surface but what he's really trying to do is cut costs in any way possible so it brings to mind a lot of stories we've heard about major corporations here in the u.s as well as in japan basically new leadership comes in and they make severe cuts to every department they isolate people um, into roles that they basically can't make any good uh, in and so the season uh, is a story about how Gretzko, or like Retzko herself, Retzko tries to uh, basically take down this uh, this new president from the outside using using her friends and her resources. So it's got a little heisty vibe to it. A couple episodes where they're trying to like break into the office to get some data to basically prove that there's under the table operations happening. But then, of course, as all great plots do. The B story slides into the A story when the crush gets involved in the conspiracy. And, and so, that's what makes a good show when you have your plot lines cross. And that's why for the bulk of the season, I was 
way into it. I was like, all right, this is cool. I like what they're doing here. I like how the, all these little parts are moving and meshing with each other, but they have to wrap up everything extremely quick because the thing about Agresco is it is not even a 22 minute show. It is a 15er. And so you only get 10, 15 and there's only so much they can do with that time. And so it rapidly goes to the end and the ending episode feels kind of anticlimactic because of how quickly they have to wrap it all up. By the end of the, the, the season, they basically return to the status quo more or less with one major change that I cannot spoil, but um, still great, still great show. I still love the characters in it. Some don't get as much uh, time screen time as maybe previous seasons. And I kind of missed them, but you do get a lot of time with, with um, some of uh, some of the others and get to know a little some of the other characters in the office a little more this time. Overall, I like the show and it's sad every time it happens because it's over so quickly and I have to wait an entire calendar year for more. I'm not even sure if there's going to be a season five, but I sure hope so. Well, when they're 15 minutes each and only 10 episodes, you're only getting 150 minutes. Yeah, it's not a whole Which lot. is just over two hours. It's a, and, which means though, if you want to binge this in a day, you can, you know, like it's a movie like thing. So absolutely uh, give it a shot if you've liked the previous seasons or if you want to try it out. Um, it's, it's cute. It's very cute. It's very, and it does this time uh, have something to say about um, the struggles of being at a company in transition and having severe cuts and watching your friends get laid off and like the inner workings of like shady business deals and uh happening right underneath your nose so it's fun it's it's still good on netflix right netflix yes that's a netflix one okay i also finished off something a little longer um three seasons worth um apple tv plus's dickinson it is done they finished they wrapped up emily dickinson's story um in their own surreal kind of modern yet period piece kind of approach and it just ended beautifully uh this is an example of landing the ending perfectly um talked about the show before uh, if you're not sure about what it is it's basically like the story of emily dickinson the famous american poet uh, but with a modern twist to it it's a period piece it does take place during her life um but they'll occasionally sprinkle in modern music, modern dialogue, um, things that, of course, were anachronistic for them to say, and some surreal kind of uh, magical realism moments where she's actually having a conversation with death. Like, she'll have, like, uh, there's a time travel episode in this season three where they go to the 50s and talk to Sylvia Plath. It's great. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I saw that smile come on your face as soon as I said that. Doesn't that sound great? Well, it is. Um, it's an excellent show. This season was really neat because it really leaned into that realism, uh, that magical realism part. And the entire last episode is basically just metaphor. And it works because at that point with this character, she's become so one with her art that she's basically, that is who she is. That's how she, her identity, identity has become. It's really cute. And also if you're into the, uh, queer romance of it season three also leans heavier into that as well uh she has a lot of very tender romantic moments with her lover sue and it goes into that explores that relationship a little bit more than it did in the previous seasons too so 
If that sounds interesting at all, if you like Emily Dickinson, if you like the idea of this kind of world, it really nails the feel of it. And uh, season three ended really well. And it's a really nice way to end the series um, because there's only so much you can say about, about that life, but uh, they did a good job of saying what they could in that time. Do you think they could have gone a season four or would you have wanted a season four? Well, there's not, like I said, there's not a whole lot. She did not live for a very long time. So. Spoilers, but yes. <laughs> so it's it's kind of tricky in that way where you basically have what we know. Also, she was very mysterious. There was not a whole lot known about her. They had to kind of fill in a lot of gaps to make it a series, as it is. So I felt it was perfect to end it on three seasons. Even though, of course, I would have loved to see more because of how excellent it was made, like the production value of this thing. So yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Uh, that's on Apple TV+. Plus. So uh, check that out if you have that service. So Haley Seinfeld going into the MCU has nothing to do with it? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's a coincidence that she also has other gigs happening right now. But uh, she's excellent in this. I just want to, I guess, notice. Thank you for bringing her up. Because yeah, uh, not really familiar with her with beyond this too much. Um, really? But she's really excellent in this. But she was in True Grit. <laughs> she was in True Grit. That, that's like where she like, broke out. Like was like people say, like, oh, she's like the next good thing. Yeah. Then True Grit was like in 2010. So here we are, 10 years later. Yeah, I didn't see it. I didn't see that one. Actually. What? Sorry. All right. Yeah, Christy is saying begin again from the other room. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, that's what I watched this week. A uh, couple of a uh, couple of really good uh, streaming shows. So. Uh, sure. And uh, for today only, if you're listening to this on January 1st, it is the Rose Parade. We yeah. are recording this after the Rose Parade. Got up 6 a.m., watched the whole thing. So I proud of myself. <laughs> I literally okay. through all of it. I woke up at 9. It's okay. There are replays for today only. Otherwise, go to YouTube. <laughs> I bet it'll look nice on my television. That's all I have to say about it. Um, yeah, so that's it. Television, I believe. Uh, real quickly, going back to games real quick. Um, yeah. I beat the Wordle for today. Five. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll see if I can. Uh, also, you. I keep say, kept saying the wrong thing. I kept saying Minesweeper. It's yeah. Mastermind. That's the game I'm thinking of. <laughs> Minesweeper. Yeah, I yeah. guess. But no, that makes no, more Mastermind sense. Mastermind is the game I keep thinking of. All right. All right. Now let's move in. Move on to cancellations and renewals. Well, you don't have any cancellations and renewals listed here. Instead, though, we have to talk about some deaths. Yeah, I nice. did. Uh, let me do a quick check, but yeah. Nothing else had been canceled or renewed since the last time we podcasted, so only deaths. But that means that, unfortunately, we have the sad task of saying the last of the deaths of 2021, who was taken away from, who were taken away from us right before the end of the year. Those names include some, ooh, some heavy hitters. So get ready, get your tissues set. First up, we have Harvey Evans, age 80, actor, was in West Side Story, Bank Shot, and Enchanted. That's West Side Story, not the new one. Not the new one, 1960. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Jean-Marc Vallée, age 58, director, Dallas Buyers Club, Wild Big Little Lies, Emmy winner back in 2017. Yep, four Big Little Lies. Yeah, so that's pretty young, uh, and was recent, and he worked on a lot of recent stuff, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, also worked a lot with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, yeah. But then, of course, the two big, biggest ones that happened uh, right next to each other, a uh, few days apart, 
John Madden, age 85, him, of course, of the, the titular Madden football series, as well as sports commentator for years. But before that, NFL Hall of Fame coach, as well as champion of Super Bowl eleven in 1977. He only coached for 10 years, mm-hmm. uh, but never had a losing season, always made the playoffs, had a record of 112, 39, and seven, yeah. seven ties for a, for a total of uh, winning percentage of 0.731 winning percent, which is yeah. the second highest among all coaches over 100 games. It's a lot of wins. So, uh, I mean, yeah, what is there to say about John Madden that hasn't already been said? I mean, like, I represented, yeah, Traducan, uh, Tenacton. Uh, yes. Like, the guy is was synonymous with football for almost his whole life. Like, no, when you literally for football, his whole life, too. Yeah. When I thought about football when I was a kid, watching football games with my dad in the 90s, it was, I thought about John Madden because he was always on TV and he was mm-hmm. always there. And then video games, too. He made such an impact with the ways that he shaped the Madden video game. A lot of people don't think about it because he's just they often just think, oh, his name's on the game. But he is responsible for a lot of the reasons why that first Madden game when it came out was so important. He was the one that was telling EA, no, I want this to be a realistic football sim. I don't want this to be an arcade game. Put 11 men on the field. Yeah, they originally wanted seven on seven. He said, no, there's 11 men on the field. It has to be 11. Otherwise, I'll put my name on it. So he is, you could make an argument that he's responsible for the modern sports game in a lot of ways, because he was basically like, no, we don't make, I don't want to make like NBA Jam. That's not the game I want to make. I want to, I want, if my name's going to be on this, this is real football. Mm -hmm. And it changed the industry. Madden, of course is the top-selling sports game of all time and continues to be the top-selling sports game year after year because of the influence of John Madden, the person. And of course, you know, all the story was repeated year after year about he didn't fly. He was a pure bus. bus rider yes. when it came to going from game to game. He never it, like went away from that model. He always took the bus. He just seemed like a nice guy. If you want more information on John Madden, there's two docs you need to watch. One is produced by the NFL. It's called Football Life, and they focus on different people of the game of football. And they did a piece on John Madden about three years ago. Watch that one. It is excellently produced. The second one, which came out last week, last Christmas Day, all Madden. Um, It's a documentary on Madden. Uh, by players in the NFL who talk about him. Um, if you happen to miss it, it's okay. It's on Peacock. You can watch it there. It's an excellent look into the life and legend that is John Madden. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of people our age grew up with him in the broadcast booth with Pat Summerall. Yeah. I believe John Madden only appeared in movies twice. In his whole career oh, yeah. yeah one of them being the little giants right and the other one being the replacements but but yeah uh, he will definitely be missed um yeah football won't be the same without him but the big one we have to talk about and i have to lead with television won't be the same without her uh, right if you thought missing like john madden dying was yeah. gonna be the big ending to 2021 
well, someone got the last laugh there. <laughs> and yeah. Finney said, because she was an icon in TV, comedic genius, especially yeah. like the day that People Magazine put out celebrating her 100-year birthday. She just never made it there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're talking about Betty White, who we lost yesterday as of this recording. Um, we did already talk about her in memoriam in the uh, final wrap-up podcast we did in 2021. So we went a little long there, so we'll be, we'll be briefer here. But yes, of course, television legend was there from the birth of the art form um, and continued to be a television staple after that. Of course, known, uh, and depending on the generation you are, you know her from different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, like your grandparents know her from one thing, your parents probably know her from the Golden Girls. Uh, and then like you go on down the line, it's like guest performances on SNL, like uh, late night show appearances, guest like bits on sitcoms like Community. Like she just kept showing up in the public consciousness because she could still be funny. She was still hilarious. She never stopped being the person who she was. She was a singular comedian in an era, like, and no matter what era she was in. Yep. Um, one of my favorite things I saw on Twitter was that she was older than sliced bread. <laughs> Which is hilarious when you think about it, but Sliced bread was invented in 1928, and she was born in 1922. Yeah. So, yeah, she was the greatest thing before sliced bread. So, yeah, well, it's disappointing disappointing that she didn't make it to 100. Yes. Uh, she was so close. It is still, yes, uh, just what a career. Like, no, it's going to be a long time till we talk about somebody in the same kind of light that we talk about Betty White. She was just somebody who never, just like John Madden, never had, no one had anybody, anybody, bleh, nobody ever had a bad thing to say about her. Everybody loves Betty White. And she yep. was just, just. I think the next closest person would be Julie Andrews, maybe? Yeah, yeah. In terms of age? That's close. Because um, then you go to Meryl Streep, but she's younger than Julia. Meryl Streep is much younger. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, but you're right. There's the kind of universally loved people in entertainment. There aren't that many of them anymore. And Betty White was one of them. So yeah, she will certainly be missed. But yep. that's Older it. Older than yes. TV herself. Yes, yes. But yeah, now we go into it a lot into the, the deaths of into our end of the year podcast yeah. special which you should definitely check out in your podcast feed. You should. But in the meantime, we have one last thing to talk about in this, in this podcast, and it is the movies. We always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. And this week is no different. But man, what a depressing week for movies. Hey, that's not that depressing, is it? It was depressing if you wanted... Uh, certain franchise films to do well and not flop miserably because your number one movie was of course rolling over for a second week spider-man no way home making another 84 million dollars 470 million total domestic we talked about that a little bit on the wrap-up movies podcast that we talked about that we recorded last week uh update to that um because we talked about it on the wrap-up podcast uh currently sitting at 572 million dollars domestically Wow. That is the second highest overall. Yeah. Um, $1.2 billion worldwide. Ooh, a lot of money. 
But it wasn't the only big, uh, big moneymaker this week. We also had a pretty strong debut for Sing 2 at number two with another with $22 million debut. That's sitting at $39 million domestic. Um, sounds small, but when compared to the other debuts this week, it was not. Turns out if you were seeing a movie, you were still probably seeing Spider-Man yep. as your other two debuts did not perform as well. The Matrix Matrix Resurrections came in at number three with a measly $12 million. It's an entire $10 million. That's one West Side Story lower than (laughs) than Sing 2. Yeah, but people probably saw that at home. But yes, bolstered hopefully by HBO Max streaming. And then number four, doing even worse, The King's Man, the prequel to the Kingsman series, with only $5.9 million in its debut week, you can't compete with Spider-Man. You know, nobody can. Nope. Uh, Spider-Man currently number 11 on the lifetime grosses for all time. After two weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, two weeks. Let's show you. And then rounding out your top five, American Underdog with four, 5.8 million. Yes. You're saying that this is saying that there was only a 0.1 million difference between a franchise film and a movie about Kurt Warner. <laughs> a franchise quarterback, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely obnoxious. Oh, in case you're wondering how a journal for Jordan uh, did in this debut, 2.2 million way down at number seven. So. Not a great week. Spider-Man rules uh, supreme another week and probably will continue to do so. Uh, at least till the end of January. Yeah. It, it's going to hit those Titanic that Titanic wave of there's nothing out. Let's go watch Spider-Man again. Yeah, I guess so. But is, there is one movie coming out this week. Kind of. By the end of this week, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Um the 355 what is this uh so this comes out next week one okay. seven end of the uh, week. end of the week okay end of this week it will come out the day that we record next so really we talk about it now okay so that's how we're doing it now yeah that's how we like it. this better that's how we're doing it now all right uh so the 355 is a group of female spies who are all put on the same hit list and band together to unravel the mystery of who's after them Action thriller starring Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, Diane Kruger, and Penelope Cruz. Sure. Yeah. All right. That's a cast. Yep. Sounds uh, potentially interesting. International spy thriller, The 355. Yes. All right. Let's move on to movie news. Uh, we do have a couple of stories, even though it's a pretty slow week. Our first story takes us to the Sundance Festival, which, believe it or not, is still happening. The upcoming film festival is planning to offer, though, something that will benefit its uh, guests, COVID-19 vaccine booster shots to those who don't have it yet. Following last week's festival mandate requiring all participants in screenings and official events to show proof of three vaccination shots, Sundance is doing the work for them and putting resources into offering boosters on the ground in Park City, Utah. Over a series of filmmaker calls this week, international artists and producing teams were informed of this offer. Sundance is scheduled to run from January 20th to the 30th, and will also mount a hybrid virtual edition as they did last year. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying fully vaccinated is three shots. So if you only had two and you're past the six months from your second shot, they'll be on site to offer you your third vaccination shot. It's a nice thing to do. And I'm glad that they have the resources to do this for people who don't have it. Um, but should they probably be having this? Probably not. But probably not. I'm glad if they are, they're at least doing something very safe and sane uh, to support it. So, yeah, that's really all there is to say about that. Yep. And um, this is also to curtail the Omicron variant that keeps rising and putting people in hospitals. Yeah. So, so yeah. Good on them uh, for at least mitigating some of the risk. Mm-hmm. Speaking of mitigating risk. Vin Diesel might uh, be risking himself lately uh, as he has incurred the ire of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And the ire of Dwayne the Rock Johnson's fans. Yes, so Dwayne Johnson has responded to Vin Diesel's suggestion last month via a social media post that Johnson returns for the finale of the high-octane film franchise Fast in Fast 10, the next film scheduled. He told CNN, uh, uh, Dwayne Johnson did, Dwayne Johnson told CNN in an interview Wednesday that he was very surprised by Vin Diesel's November Instagram post calling on him to return for Fast 10. He said, quote, this past June, when Vin and I actually connected not over social media, I told him directly and privately that I would not be returning to the franchise. Johnson said, Johnson added, Vin's recent public post was an example of his manipulation I didn't like that he brought up his children in the post, as well as Paul Walker's death. Leave them out of it. We had spoken months ago about this and came to a clear understanding. End quote. Universal said earlier this month that it will now release the 10th chapter in its Fast and Furious movie franchise on May 19th, 2023, with Justin Lin returning to direct the first in a two-part finale for the franchise. So, this is not The Rock's fault. I mean, he's been pretty clear over the last few years here that he does not want to do another Fast movie. He said he was done. Yeah. Um, he did the Hobbs and Shaw, the spinoff. Uh, he didn't specifically like how Vin Diesel, he's the producer on it, yeah. tried to get Johnson into the, quote, correct headspace for acting <laughs> and that he could do more. And of course, there's also the uh, constant rumors about how things are on the set between the two of them, mm-hmm. how Vin specifically writes scenes where he always wins the races, and he doesn't, he always appears stronger than The Rock's character. It's always like an imbalance a little bit towards Vin's favor because he has so much creative control. Right. The Rock's not a fan of that. <laughs> you know, yeah, The Rock, if he's going to lose, it's going <laughs> to be on his terms. Right. See, WWE 2005. Oh, yeah. The rock has been him. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's just, it's a funny story in a way because it's just like two total meatheads trying to like, trying to compete against each other. And the, it's just, it's just, it's, it's cute in a way because like you can tell that Ben just genuinely wants his friend to make another movie with them. But the rock no, has good no. points. He wants, he wants that, um, box office uh, boost that that Dwayne Johnson gives everybody. And I'm sure there are probably fans of the franchise that do want to see Rock's character return and want that finale to include him. 
Yeah, uh, but did you see Vin Diesel's post at all? I did. I read the I read the post. It yeah. does come across as a little manipulative. It does. From the jump, he calls Dwayne Johnson little brother, which yeah. has to get on your nerves if you're The Rock, because I don't know if you've seen the two of them next to each other, but little is not an <laughs> adjective that describes Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No, he also brings in that his that Vin Diesel's fam or kids refer to him as Uncle Dwayne. Right. The whole thing yeah. of trying to pull on heartstrings and the rock saw right through it. Mm-hmm. So it's just embarrassing on Vin Diesel's part. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a complicated story because yes, the fans probably do want this to involve all their favorite characters. But if the rock doesn't want to do it, let him off the hook. Like it's fine. Your movie will do okay. You'll still make a billion dollars worldwide. It's fine. It's fine. Anyways. So that's that story. Well, I mean, it's gotta be because F9 yeah. only like only did 173 million domestically at the box office. Only. So he, yeah, only 173 during a pandemic. Yeah, only. <laughs> Anyways. Um that's it for movie news. Last but not least, we have to talk about uh, some movie thoughts, a little pickup movie thought uh, that was left over from 2021 because we just didn't have time to talk about it on a regular show. We well, did talk about became... it on our wrap-up podcast, so if you want to listen to a longer version of this conversation, we do have it on our wrap-up podcasts. Um, that's on available on our podcast feed. But we'll be brief, uh, talk about how we felt overall about Disney's Encanto. So we didn't get a chance to see this in theaters, even though it came out over the Christmas or Thanksgiving break. Um, But thanks to Disney Plus, it did premiere on Christmas Day last week, which we were able to watch and then provide our thoughts on for our movie wrap up. Keep it short. It appeared on both of our top fives for the entire year. Yeah, to keep it short, uh, it's a very good uh, movie. It's further proof that Disney is, animation is currently on a real hot streak. Uh, they have not put out a dud in a very long time. I also enjoyed Raya the Last Dragon from earlier this year. And this is also just as beautiful. Um, the characters are just as likable. The songs uh, by Media Boat Favorite. Um, <laughs> yeah, Media Boat Favorite. Lin-Manuel Miranda are excellent and catchy. <laughs> Over the weekend, I don't know if you noticed, or over the last couple of days, I should say, um, one of the songs from the soundtrack has now peaked at number three on Spotify <laughs> because of how catchy it is, uh, but we don't talk about it. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> see what I did there? Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's a fun uh, movie with really catchy songs, really likable characters, just beautiful animation. Maybe some story hiccups, but we went into that a little bit more in depth in the wrap-up podcast, which is a spoiler zone. So if you want to know the spoilers, we go into the plot details in that podcast. But here we'll keep it uh, spoiler-free. That's our um, end-of-the-year movie podcast. Um, If you want to wrap up every movie story that we talked about throughout the year, if you want to skip that and go directly to our thoughts on our top five movies of the year, Skip about an hour into it, and you can hear us talk about our top five films and Encanto in there. 
But I will say that those story issues that I may have had with the first viewing dissipated after a second viewing. Mm-hmm. Additionally, kids aren't going to mind or care. I think this is the perfect holiday kids thing to slap on Disney Plus and have a great time with. Kids will love the music. You'll love the music. I think it's some of Lynn's best work. Um, it's just a really well done Disney movie that I think uh, years in the future will be uh, looked back fondly on. I think I think they did a good one. They did a good job with it. It feels like this pulls from two of our favorite uh, films from, from Disney the past couple of years. Moana and Coco. Yeah. And it pulls at not quite the right heart, the, like all the heartstrings that Coco did, mm-hmm. but just enough to make you care about the family the and way, the music yeah. it is so good in here you bring up a good point with likening it to coco because just like coco this is so much a story about a family first and foremost and it really narrows in a laser focus on that and maybe to its detriment where there's not a whole lot of world beyond just the family but you yeah, but it sets that up as a plot point that right. there is nothing beyond right. the world of the mountains. So yeah, just like Coco, it makes it feel like a more intimate story and it works in its favor. Um, I think that they have tried too much with it, like Luca did earlier this year, yep. then it wouldn't have worked as well as it did. I think that in contrast, this is what maybe a version of what Luca was trying to do, but way, way better and way more focused with with music. So yeah, I really enjoyed Encanto. Um, not without its flaws, but it is a good time, especially if you're, uh, it, uh, especially for families. It's a really, really good winter break kind of watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me both recommend for Encanto, especially streaming on Disney Plus. Additionally, I just want to mention, uh, since the last show, uh, proper show, I did watch Matrix Resurrections. Uh, again, go really deep into that on the Movie Wrap-Up podcast, so catch my thoughts there. Short short, short, short version is, I liked it a lot. Uh, surprisingly um, liked it a lot. <laughs> a lot. And then, um, yeah, I think, that, I think that catches us up. I think that catches up. I think that uh, does it for yeah the Bebo podcast for yes. season six yes our very very first episode of season six and of 2022 thank you for joining us here the video archive of this will go up on youtube go to youtube.com search our uh, media boat podcast channel you can find our archive of all our previous episodes from the past year slash season you can also find us in audio form where we are under Media Boat Podcast on podcast catchers of your choice, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. You can also find us on social media channels like Twitter, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast, find our page there. You can comment, like, whatever you want to do there. And if you have questions, comments, anything feedback related you want to give us, you can do so by emailing us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com and that'll do it for the first episode we will be back next week for another regular episode of the media boat podcast with all sorts of new thoughts and news stories for you as the year begins to develop yep um we welcome you once again into the new year of 2022 and we look forward to what the new year has to offer if you want to hear our thoughts on what we are looking forward to check out our end of the year special 
which we recorded is up um, and we will be back next week with more news, more thoughts, more of us. Maybe in person, maybe not. We'll see. Happy New Year and see you next week. Yep. Bye. Bye.